Who are you? I'm the player to be named later. And you should recognize me. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Players to be Named Later podcast. I'm Ed. That's Dan. Don't say hi, Dan. And today we're going to be giving you a preview of the World Series for the hundredth and whatever time. This time it features the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers. What do you think of this one, Danny boy? Uh, In the beginning of the season, I don't think either one of us would have uh, had either of these teams in the World Series, to be completely honest. But, uh, I mean, neither one of us definitely had Arizona, and I don't think anybody really had Arizona. They were like, we both had, Ari- yeah. I had Arizona finishing fifty-five and one hundred and seven. You had them seventy and ninety-two, and then you had Texas at eighty-one and eighty-one, and I had them at seventy-five and eighty-seven. So yeah, I think you. I, I think I'm going to give you some some uh, a little credit here. I think you talked me into giving. Um. Texas as good of a record as they had because I was really high on the Angels going into the season. Boy, what a mistake that was. But all right, let's break it. Really quickly, hold on, just before we move on from these odds. um, The Arizona Diamondbacks and Texas Rangers will meet in an unlikely World Series matchup. How unlikely? Bet MGM data analyst John Ewing said preseason odds for Diamondback Rangers World Series exact matchup was for a $10 bet, you would win $17,510 total. So that was a plus $175,000 in odds for these two teams to meet in the World Series. You know some crazy bastard in Vegas had it done, too. Uh, So let's break it down by franchise. Arizona, this is their seventh playoff appearance in 26 years. They are 1-0 in the World Series, thanks to... Luis Gonzalez taking care of the New York Yankees in Game 7 in 2001. In that World Series, if you guys remember, that was the 9-11 World Series. And as soon as I am able to open up the link... um, How do I do this? Anyway, uh, that 2011 World Series was capped off by a beautiful Game 7 by N... By... World Series MVP, Luis Gonzalez. Texas is in their ninth playoff appearance in 63 years. They are currently 0-2 in World Series play, having lost in consecutive years 4-1 to San Francisco in 2010 and 4-3 to St. Louis in 2011 and lost the greatest game of baseball ever played. Do you remember anything about any of those World Series, Dan? Dan. Dan. I'm not a history guy. I don't remember anything about any of that. Nice of you to join us again, buddy. Appreciate you. I was on mute. You didn't tell me. I didn't know you were muted. Uh, Arizona. How did they get here? Arizona finished in a wild card spot, but they took care of Milwaukee two games to none in the best of three series with Milwaukee having the home field advantage. Then they took care of the L.A. Dodgers, who once again choked in the Major League playoffs. Three games to none in a five-game series sweep. Then in seven games, it was the Philadelphia Phillies who fell to the Arizona Diamondbacks. And as 
I feel like that's a series that's going to be underrated in history, but that was a really solid series. It was actually a really good series. Um, I'll give credit where credit's due. Um, and one of my least favorite personalities in sports, Matt Doug Russo, said he would retire if uh, Arizona if Arizona came back and won that series after, like, they needed to beat Philly two games in a row at home. And they did, and of course he went back on his word. So uh, Matt Doug Russo is worthless at this point. You don't go back on your word as a man. That's all you have as a man. All right, I'm going to stop you right here. We're recording this on Thursday night. And the Bills just beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 24-18. to And I just watched Ryan Fitzpatrick strip off his shirt and walk around. And if I didn't like this guy anymore, I, I, I do more now. Ryan Fitzpatrick is living his best life. Anyway, let's move along. How did Texas get here? They swept the Tampa Bay Rays two games to none in the first round and then took care of your Baltimore Orioles. Don't worry. We're not going to talk about it. We'll just skip over it. And three games to none in the divisional series. It was another seven game series that took care of the Houston Astros where more cheating things resurfaced, although completely unfounded. And it was just trolls on the Internet trying to make waves. It was also game seven. It would be the last game for Dusty Baker as he retired. And he said, this isn't goodbye. This is just so long for now, which it's time for him to sail off into the sunset. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that, that, that quote he gave makes me wonder, was it a uh, re- retirement quote unquote, or did uh, the organization push him out in a sense? No, it kind of makes me wonder if he's going to have a front office job somewhere. But speaking of another Dusty Baker quote, and this one's a a pretty long one, so stay with me. Hank Aaron told me, don't dig in against Bob Gibson. He'll knock you down. He'd knock down his own grandmother if if she dared to challenge him. Don't stare at him. Don't smile at him. Don't talk to him. He doesn't like it. If you happen to hit a home run, don't run too slow. Don't run too fast. If you happen to want to celebrate, get in the tunnel first. And if he hits you, don't charge the round because he's a gold glove boxer. I'm like, damn, what about my 17 game hitting streak? It ended that night. Hmm. I love that quote. Cause it, it, it's just so many great things about it. Um, let's talk about what moves these two teams did this off season, or I'm sorry, this trading deadline, Arizona didn't do too much, but they acquired Paul Seawald. How did that help them, bud? Um, I mean, Paul Seawald closed out the NL, the NLCS for them. On top of that, Paul Seawald locked down that bullpen moving forward. And really to show the type of closure that Paul Seawald is, uh, preseason, I picked Seawald to have the most saves in the AL. Obviously, he went to the NL. He wouldn't have had the most saves in either league, but that's how good of a closer he is. On top of that, if we go back and we look at the team that Seawald was traded from, Seattle, the right? Seattle Mariners. Yeah. They could not close a game and lock out a game down the stretch after they made that move. So that is the type of move that Paul Seawald brought to this team by giving them, uh, by coming to them for a closer. And I do have to say, I'm not going to bash Seattle too hard here because Seattle was struggling when they made this move. They brought in two bats, their their lineups lit up, but uh, Seawald is a, is for to put it into football terms, because I'm in football mode, he's an all-pro closer. 
Uh, that's that's how good this guy is. Um, and he will be if Arizona wins this World Series, he will be a very very important factor in that game in in that series. Indeed. Now Texas was a little bit busier at the trading deadline as they got Jordan Montgomery and Chris Stratton, a reliever and a starter, although Montgomery has made a relief appearance in this playoff. They also got Austin Hedges, as I believe he's their backup catcher, correct? Uh, he is their backup catcher. Uh, when they traded for him, I believe their former backup catcher got hurt. Right. Um, but perhaps, kinda, yeah. perhaps their biggest acquisition was Max Scherzer. Who I'm did actually not... going to disagree with you. Really? Why's that? Based off performance down the stretch and, and what they've done, the biggest acquisition was actually Monty. Okay. Counterpoint, um, me, anytime you acquire a Hall of Famer like Scherzer, a former Cy Young Award winner like Scherzer, who has a playoff pedigree like Scherzer for a playoff run, hmm, I don't know. Say that's I'm gonna, I mean, I'm going to disagree with you in his... I mean, in, in his two appearances in the playoffs, he's 0-1 with a 9.45 ERA, only six strikeouts, a total of 6.2 innings. Um, he also got roughed up by the Cardinals, I believe, in, in a World Series in one of those games, too. No, 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 no. I'm talking about just for this season. Oh, well, that's different. You don't necessarily acquire a Hall of Famer for their performance on the field. You acquire them for what they do in the clubhouse. Yeah, but I mean, okay, like that's I'm gonna disagree with that because Montgomery is also a a who I would consider a veteran. He's three and zero with a two point one six ERA, seventeen Ks, five appearances, total of twenty five innings pitched. Uh, I'm gonna go to bat for this right now. I mean, his WHIP's only one point two eight. You can't get more clutch than what Jordan Montgomery has been for this Texas team. And no, you, I agree you can't with you. Be this, he's been the most important pitcher on this staff down this stretch. Um, from the from the time the playoffs started to where they're at now going into the World Series, he is their ace right now. Um, Scherzer is uh, is not healthy. They shouldn't have, uh, this may be a hot take, but they shouldn't have put him on the roster for the CS uh, because he didn't look right. All he did, all he was actually on that mound was vulnerable. He was vulnerable. He was not an asset. He was a liability. Okay. Agree to disagree. I think maybe, we can I that. think I think that his value is more is not on the mound, to be honest. And I think that the Astros robbed us of what could have potentially been a historic and magical night by not having Verlander and Scherzer in a playoff game together. The Astros could have delayed that delayed Verlander's start by a day. And we could have had that, and it would have been, it it would have been fitting. But that's that's a different story for another time. One last thing: is John Gray healthy? I don't. Is know. he healthy enough? Is he healthy <sighs> enough to make an impact? I mean, to be determined. They've had a few days off. World Series starts tomorrow. I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, he, I think he can make an impact out the bullpen. 
he, he's definitely not cracking that that four man rotation that they have right now. Will it be a four man rotation? What do you think they go three? I think it's entirely possible with the extra off days and travel. Yeah, why not? I never liked a four man <sighs> rotation in the World Series. I always thought you have because every team that goes to the World Series needs three good starting pitchers. And you can if get away with three good three. starting pitchers with the off days that they have now. We're not playing the World Series like we did in the 60s where it's seven consecutive day games. I mean, if you go three, Arizona's threes are three are very clear. It's Gallon, Padiff, and McKelly. Merrill Kelly, if yes. you If you go three in for your Texas, it's clearly Montgomery, Avaldi, and I think your third guy, as much as I just bashed him, is going to be Scherzer. I think it kind of has to be over Heaney, right? To be completely honest, I mean, Heaney has worked out of the bullpen previously in his career, so he has that experience. Um, But I think if if you're going to three-man rotation for Texas, Scherzer's on an extremely short leash. Right. Um, To be fair, Heaney did start – let's see. It looks like he started three playoff games in – uh, the Baltimore series where he went three and two thirds innings, gave up a run on two hits, walked one and struck out one. And then it looks like he started again and gave up three runs on four hits and two thirds of an inning in Houston and a 10 to three loss. So he also came out of relief to pitch one inning of nothing ball in a nine to two victory over Texas or over Houston. So it's if be there, but yeah, it probably has to be Scherzer, right? I mean, I would think if you brought him in for that, it has to be. It, I just feel like it has to be just because Heaney has the previously in his career has to, has the bullpen work to where Scherzer. I mean, he's been a starter for what the last almost twenty years. Yeah, I, I just, I'm gonna I'm I mean, gonna have to. I, I think Scherzer. I think Scherzer would be would be willing to come out of the pen if if needed. But I, I think if you're Texas, you put you throw Scherzer out there because if Scherzer finds 90% of what he is on a regular night, he's giving you five to six innings, and, and now you you have the option to, to stretch somebody else out later on if you need to on a different day. So I think if you're going three-man for Texas, it's, it's Monty, Avaldi, and Scherzer. Um, I mean, whew, th- this Texas team – is what I would love to see, and I'm I'm just stating this because it, it hits home. Is what I would love to see the Orioles to be in two years. Um, well, you go out, you you buy pieces, but you also have homegrown talent right. with guys like Evan Carter, uh, Josh Jung, uh, Jonah Heim, somewhat Adonis Garcia. Um, I mean, you have those homegrown talents with the guys you brought in, like a like a Seager. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Garcia is not a homegrown talent for Arizona. He's kind of a homegrown talent for Texas. Uh, or Texas or whatever. Um, kind of. Just to just to let you know, the last time Max Scherzer made a relief appearance was 2008 when he was 23 years old for the Arizona Diamondbacks. So yeah, I, I said 20 years. I said. Almost 20 and um, off. 15 years ago. 15 years ago. 
I, you know what? This, and I think the starting pitching is, at least in in the World Series, it's not as important as what it has been in the past. The way these bullpens are constructed nowadays, you can get away with going with three starters and getting four innings apiece out of them. You don't need depth when you have these relievers that can go one, two, two plus innings and give you quality, quality innings. So maybe, maybe if you're Texas, you only throw Scherzer for game three. And maybe if it does go six, you look at Heaney. Uh, hot take. A quality start will be considered four and two thirds of an inning within 10 years. No. It, it'll, the lowest it'll drop is five. Okay. There, so there gonna... are enough baseball purists that that rule, that statistic is not going to change. All right. So we have a disagreement of a third of an inning. I'll, I'll go with you and I'll say five, but well, they're not going to give a quality start on a start that you don't get a decision on. I think that rule changes as well. I don't think baseball is going to screw with the statistics that much. There are still purists out there that still have a say in this. Uh, let's talk about some of the lineups here. So the lineups that each team had in their game seven, or what I have here is their projected game one lineups. I don't think that is going to change too much because why would it change from game seven to game one? So you have uh, Kettle Marte leading off at second, Corbin Carroll at center field batting second. Gabriel Moreno is your third place hitter for Arizona behind the plate. Christian Walker at first base bats fourth. Tommy Fan is your right fielder batting fifth. Lourdes Gurriel is your left fielder batting sixth. Evan Longoria, the old man, is your DH batting seventh. Emmanuel Rivera is your third baseman batting eighth. And Geraldo Perdomo is your shortstop batting ninth. Now, out of those nine, who's the key to that lineup? Corbin Carroll. You're an over the other year. Batting in the two-hole. Why is that? Yes. Speed, power, precision, defense. That's okay. He, 25 home runs, 161 hits, 285 batting average, 116 runs scored, 76 RBIs, 54 stolen bases. I can see where you would think Ken- that. Kendall Marte, also speed. You're, I mean, it, it's going to sound dumb. I mean, if you want me to be contrarian, I'll tell you Gurriel in left field. Batting mm-hmm. in the six holes key. Um, if you say Longoria, I'm probably just going to hang up and the, the, <laughs> we'll just end the call then. What do you got against Evan Longoria? It's not that I have anything against him, but he, he's not the key piece here. Um, he's not the key piece at all. You mean a guy that's batting Long- 223 on the season and 211 at-bats is not a key piece? Thank you for proving my point. Is he a Hall of Famer? If he gets this ring, maybe. 342 home runs, 264 career average, 100 or 1,159 RBIs, 1,017 stolen bases, a Rookie of the Year, a three-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glove, and a Silver Slugger. He's got a WAR of 58.6, and I always thought that a you know a WAR of 50 plus gets you in. So you still don't think he's a Hall of Famer? I, I mean, it's arguable. He's not a first ballot. No. he. And even if you go by the black ink, gray ink, 
whatever. He doesn't have it. He's well short. He's ranked 953rd out of all players in the black ink at one when the average Hall of Famer is at 27. His batting is 50th, or his gray ink, I'm sorry, is 50. Uh, that's 656. The average Hall of Famer is 144. Hall of Fame monitor batting, he's 531st with 42. The likely Hall of Famer is approximately 100. And Hall of Famer standards, he's at 30. That's 346. The average Hall of Famer is 50. So probably not a Hall of Famer. Hall of Very Good. You would say yes? Yes, definitely the Hall of Very Good. Okay. I mean, because he was a star in Tampa Bay, but I think playing in Tampa Bay is what hurt him. Now, Gabriel Moreno is an interesting thing here. Nine homers, 97 hits, 284 average, and 341 at-bats. For a catcher, that's good production. But for a three-hole hitter, that's not good. Only 50 RBIs driven in, 33 runs scored. He did steal six bases, which... Stolen bases for a catcher, I always feel like, should be celebrated like home runs for a pitcher. But why is he batting in the third spot here? I was wondering the same question. I mean, lefty-righty matchups maybe. Maybe, uh, I'll be honest, I haven't followed the Diamondbacks as closely to know if he's always a three-hole hitter. Um, Well, especially when you have Christian Walker at the four-hole, who's got 33 home runs, a 258 average, driven in 103 and scored 86 times. Wouldn't it make sense to flip flop those? Mm, no. You don't think Walker coming Walker coming out of the O's organization, he has a lot of pop in that bat. He has a very live bat. So you get two of those guys on. Uh, I mean, it, he's dangerous to hit that home run. How do you feel about Tommy Pham in left field? I mean, some people would he, – he's in right field, but some people would say that, you know – Left field, right field, whatever. Corner outfielder. Some people are probably a fan of it. Feel good about that? Uh, I know you're snickering. You feel good about that joke? What do you think of it? I thought it was terrible. Poor taste. Uh, so, um, so you weren't a fan? It's his poor taste. Shut up. It's as poor taste I broke you. <laughs> as the outfielders that the Cardinals have traded away. He's one of them or let go or have left the franchise. Because if you look around baseball, Randy Rosarena, Garcia here, Tommy Pham. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, Harrison Bader. They've let go of a lot of talent in the outfield, and they probably are going to let go of at least one or two more, depending on what happens with Tyler O'Neill. So that's uh, it's just pretty interesting to see that people are having a lot of success outside of the St. Louis organization. It almost makes me wonder if maybe the general manager is doing something wrong there, but that's a different story for a different time. Let's talk about the Texas lineup. Marcus Simeon is at third base. Uh, then you're followed by Corey Seager, Evan Carter, Adolis Garcia, Mitch Garver, Jonah Heim behind the plate, Nathaniel Lowe, Josh Young, and Leody Tavares. Who sticks out here? Because, I mean, you got some big names here with Seager and with Simeon. You got a good young catcher in Heim. But who's one that really runs this lineup? The one who ran the lineup in the last round, Adonis Garcia. The ALCS MVP. Why is that? I genuinely believe that if his bat is dead in this World Series, this Texas team is going to be fighting 
If Adonis is alive and that bat's alive, this Texas team wins in five max. Now, in the last four games of that series, he had five home runs. He drove in 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 RBIs. He struck out five times, including a four-strikeout performance in game number six that Texas wound up winning 9-2. to two. Um, I believe he had a hit in every game of that series. Am I wrong there? I think that's I think that's what I believe what, you're correct. Yeah. And he scored three, four, five, six runs. That's uh that's pretty good production from an outfielder. He he had this 39 home runs, a 245 average, which is low, but you don't need to hit for an average nowadays in baseball. 108 runs scored, 107 RBIs. Weird for a power hitter that he had more runs scored than RBIs. Um I agree with you, though. I, I do believe as he goes will be how the Rangers go. Now, the two maybe biggest names that people have heard of, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. Talk to me about Corey Seager, because he had a really, really strong year. I mean, listen, uh, there's not much you can say about Seager besides the fact that he bet on himself, had a down year last year, came back and, and you know, proved himself here. I, I think what what's probably going to go overlooked, and I don't want to mention this, and I don't mean to change the subject here, but Seager's stats speak, speak for themselves. You look at their homegrown talent, just in Carter, Jonah Heim, and Josh Jung three young guys that have came up and have played pivotal, pivotal parts down the stretch for this team and have played pivotal parts on this team in, in the playoffs mm-hmm. uh, from a defensive standpoint and an offensive standpoint. Um, you you don't really see that uh, that much. And just to kind of compare it to another young team, and Ed, you're going to hate me for this, but the Orioles, their young players didn't show up in the playoffs against this Texas team. And, well, the, the O's got swept. <laughs> so uh, I, I think that this Texas – I'm going to give my World Series prediction here. Or do you want me to wait? We can wait until until the end of the show. Uh, Heim was drafted by the Baltimore Orioles in the fourth round of the 2013 yep. amateur draft. He was then traded to Tampa Bay, and then Tampa sent him to Oakland to complete an earlier deal. And then Oakland sent him to Texas in 2021 – for Elvis Andrews, Aramis Garcia, and Dane Acker, all, a minor league pitcher, also went with him. So this is his first – was it – is this his rookie year? Uh, Jonah Heim was a rookie this year, I believe, and also Josh Jung. Uh, Josh Jung, Evan Carter, and Jonah Heim, I believe, are all rookies this year. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, well, n- no, technically n- – what's the play to uh, – it's games – Doug Heim would have been a rookie last year. He played in 127 games and got 406 at bats. Okay. Yeah. If Heim not, he would have been a rookie in 21, where he got 285 plate appearances in 82 games. Okay. So uh, okay. I actually okay. think he would have been a rookie then. Yeah, um, yeah, agreed. Yes. But either way, it seems like a lot of time between your draft age and making it to the All Star game, really, as he did it in his year 28. But so realistically, actually, Heim's not that young. He just kind of had that breakout year this year. Yeah, yeah, he did. Corey Seager, 33 home runs, 320 or 327 batting average, 96 RBIs, 88 runs scored. 
a 6.9 war from short. Career resurgence, definitely. And I'm telling you what, those the top four guys is going to be what carries Texas. You know, and maybe this is the year for Texas. Because if you think back to 2010 and 2011 when they lost, they had all the pieces. They just couldn't put it together. And Ron Washington just couldn't press the right buttons. Can they do that this year? Like, and Bruce Bochy, another, I mean, Bruce Bochy is a, is a smart guy. He's a, he, pedigree, three-time World Series champion. He's won five pennants. He's been a manager of the year. Is he the right guy to bring this team together and finally give Nolan Ryan a championship? I guess that's going to remain to be seen. So. Where, how do you see this one shaking out? I think Texas and six at worst. So you don't think Arizona's got a shot? No. Mm. See, I don't know about that, man. Well, so I don't want to say they don't have a shot. I just think this Texas team is that much better. Arizona finished 84 and 78 this year. They had they. Would you say the West was one of the toughest divisions? Because I think we both agreed on that to begin the season that the West was going to be the toughest division in both leagues. But Arizona just kind of never died. And they made it, I believe, last day or one of the last days of the season is when they qualified. And it just it goes to show you now with this playoff format that all you got to do is get in. Yes, both these teams were wild card round teams. Should the playoff format be changed? Uh, yes. What would you would you like to see it as three seven game series? No, I would prefer go back to a one 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 game wild card round eliminator. Yeah, but let's not forget the reason we have more than one game, and I believe that was 2011 as well with the Cardinals where they. The um, the infield fly rule game against Atlanta, where Atlanta finished leaps and bounds ahead of a Cardinals team, I believe had 82 wins or 84 wins and did the same thing. And that's why we have a three game series now. I'm more concerned about the division series only being five. I don't like that at all. That should be set. All right. You know what? I'll 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 agree with you here. If you're not going to change it to a one game wild card round, then give me seven in the divisional series. But what what really hurts is the fact that these teams that have that first round by are are sitting for a week, and I genuinely believe that momentum is yeah, a huge factor in baseball. You need to get rid of that. I mean, if you're not going to get rid of that then what you do is you don't give these wildcard teams a chance to reset if they sweep, reset their rotation. You have a flexible schedule with the start date of the DS. Mm, I don't think that's feasible, but maybe in a situation where we can end that week-long drought, you do go to one game in the in the wildcard series or add another team so there's no buys. 
I mean, I think you gotta have a, a buy at least. I'm not sold on it, man. I, I it's broken. This is clearly broken. Like Arizona should not be here, but I think they take out. They caught Milwaukee napping, and then I don't think they beat necessarily the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers beat themselves. I, I mean, mean, the Dodgers didn't look like one of the best teams. In, the Dodgers were one of the best teams in baseball, but if you actually watch them play, they didn't look it. Well, I mean, it's hard to look that way when arguably the best starter of his generation goes a third of an inning and gives up six runs on six hits and walks a guy. And that's what Clayton Kershaw did in game one. It's hard to come back from that when you drop 11 to two in the first game of the series. Do you still consider Kershaw a, a ace? An ace? Uh, yeah. I don't. The, the, actually. The, I, I, how, why? Why? Explain to me how he is anything but an ace. I mean, statistically, I can't argue with you. I'll be honest. I would say 13 and 5, 2.46 ERA. He only got 24 starts this year. So that record, you know, if you extrapolate it out over a standard 30, 35 starts in a year, he's going to have it's another 21 season. You know, he pitched 131 innings, so got to do some math there. Over six innings a start, less than a hit per inning. He only walked 40, so his whip is right at one. You know, I mean, he's still a a top-tier pitcher, and he absolutely, like, that. I just don't get how you think he's not. Like I I said, statistically, he is an ace. Um, I guess just knowing what he does in the playoffs, he's not. That's the big thing. That's the reason why Clayton Kershaw is not going to be in the same conversation as guys like Maddox and guys like Johnson and Clemens. Well, nobody's in the same class as Clemens, if you want to be quite honest. But guys like uh, Schilling, you know. But if, if you really look at it, he's right there. He has three Cy Young awards, and he finished second twice. He's and he won an MVP award. He's right up there with Maddox and Johnson. Clayton, I mean, he he yeah, he's definitely still an ace. I the fact that you mentioned that is puzzling. Um so you you got Texas in six. That's fair. It's yes. wrong, but it's fair. What do you have? We're about to record our hockey show, our our monthly hockey show, which we record at the end of every month. And on that show, there's going to be a segment called Too Early Hot Takes. And I have six of them. A lot of them are pretty steamy. What I'm about to tell you is going to be steamier than that. Arizona and six. That's a real hot take. The Texas Rangers are the Clayton Kershaw. Of franchises. They choke in the World Series. I definitely hope you're wrong. But They choked away 2011. They didn't show up in 2010. Arizona is a scrappy team. They're not going to go away. And Texas has fallen to the, a team like this twice. 
Just saying. And I don't trust Texas pitching. I saw Montgomery up close and personal when he was with St. Louis most of the year. I think Nathan Abaldi is probably overrated. Definitely not properly rated. But if I mean, if you look at the year that Jordan Montgomery had, 10 and 11, 3.2 ERA and 32 games started, 188 and two-thirds innings, 166 strikeouts and a whip of basically 1.2. That's not ace material. In the playoffs, I mean, his last start, he only went two and a third innings, but it was kind of a bullpen game to begin with. And I he came out of the bullpen, actually. Um, you know, he had a, a game in Baltimore in, in one of those series that they won 11 to 8, but he gave up five runs on nine hits and in four innings. He did have a good game against Houston. I believe that was game one where he gave up no runs on five hits and six and a third. But I just I'm not sold that he's going to be the anchor of a World Series caliber team. And then you have Nathan Avaldi. Like I said, Avaldi came from, I believe, the Yankees, right? He was with the Yankees for a good chunk of his career. Boston. He came from Boston. Boston. I knew it was one of those god-awful AL East teams. But he was 12-5 and five this year with a 363 ERA. 144 innings pitched, 132 strikeouts, and a whip of 1.14. While it's maybe better than Montgomery, I don't think it's ace stuff there either. You know, we and we already covered what Scherzer did or has done. And is Scherzer completely healthy? Do we know that? Like we assume he sat out the division series no, because he was he's not. He, he he's not. So I don't trust the Texas pitching. Not nearly as much as I trust Arizona's. Because Arizona has three young pitchers that could potentially win Cy Youngs in their career. And Max Scherzer is a great pitcher. He's a Hall of Famer. He's arguably a first ballot Hall of Famer. I just I I don't know. I don't I don't trust him at this point in his career to, to ace to ace that team because Texas doesn't have one. Like if it came down to game seven, who are you going to throw in game seven? If all of these guys are on rest, who you, you're going to throw Montgomery in game seven, a guy with a losing record on the season. Now, granted, he played he had some real hard luck losses in St. Louis, but still. I'm, I'm throwing him with how he's pitching this postseason. Yes. Plus, let's not forget, I do believe Montgomery did this once before with Texas. I could be very wrong, and I am. I'm thinking of a different player. But, uh, yeah, no. He's, he's, no. He's, he's not, no. I just, I trust Arizona's pitching more. Arizona and six. Do you got anything else you want to add to this before we go to our favorite part of the show? I do not. Hit me with your favorite part of the show. All right, our favorite part of the show, our facts and stats you did or may not know. Did you know on this date in 2013, Alan Craig was interfered with by the Boston Red Sox third baseman, Will Middlebrooks, causing an obstruction call and giving the Cardinals an odd five to four walk-off victory in game three of a World Series that they lost to Boston. It would be the last time the Cardinals made the World Series a grand total of 10 years ago. You remember that? That was a big play. That actually, I believe, caused a rule change. If I'm not mistaken, anything on that? Because, I mean, that was that was pretty big. Um, Every team that the did you know, Dan, every team the Brewers have played ever lost or every team the Brewers have ever lost to in the postseason 
have gone on to play in the World Series. That's five times in the last six years and nine times in their 53-year history. Six of those eight teams have won a World Series thus far. Confirmed Arizona is your world champion. Is that a wild stat, no? That's a hell of a stat. Uh, Speaking of a hell of a stat, Game 7 of the NLDS was the first time in Philadelphia Phillies history that they played in a Game 7 in the playoffs. That's over 20,000 games across 141 seasons. And they never played in a Game 7 in the playoffs. Let that sink in. That's fucking wild. That's our first F-bomb of the show. We did pretty good, 40 minutes in. How do you feel about Joe Buck? He's bucking great. You must not have done very well at bowling tonight, did you? What what'd you yeah, throw? We, we what'd haven't you throw? even talked we haven't even talked about it, and this is the worst I've bowled since I was like fifteen. I can tell because the puns are awful. Uh congratulations to Joe Buck. You are a finalist for the prestigious Ford C Frick Baseball Broadcasting Award, and I am not hundred percent sure on this, but I do believe he would join his father if he won as the only father and son combination, unless the carries have done it as well to win the Ford C Frick baseball broadcasting award. Interesting fact, all of the carries, well, yeah, all of the carries and all of the bucks have ties to the best organization in baseball. Really? Nothing on that. Nothing. Okay. That's fine. I didn't know they were tied to the Yankees. You really think that the Yankees are the best team in base franchise in baseball history? Really? I literally just wanted to set you really? off a little bit. Really? Really? Just wanted to set you off a little bit. Really? Really? God, I love, the Miz. I love the Miz so much. Uh, Dan, did you know that out of 1,600 baseball players to have – played in the gold glove era. 13 players have won multiple gold gloves, but never made an all-star team. The fact that there are 13 players that have done that is amazing. Those players are Andrelton Simmons, who won four gold gloves, Benji Molina, who won two, Cesar Geronimo, who won four, Doug Rader, who had won five, Dwayne Murphy won six, Eric Chavez, six, Gary Maddox, eight, Gary Pettis, five, Geraldo Parra at two, Colton Wong at two, Mike Matheny at four, Orlando Cabrera two, and Pookie Reese at two. It really shocks me that Matheny and Wong, at least as a Cardinal fan, never made it. And Eric Chavez too. I remember Eric Chavez having some really good years. Andrelton Simmons as well, kind of shocking. Nothing? Excellent contribution. Thank you, buddy. Thank you very much. Mm. Now... Last one, every team's last World Series appearance. 30 baseball teams. Dan, there's only been one that's never been to a World Series. The Seattle Mariners. Is that, that's weird, right? No, that's kind of. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's odd course, to yeah. think about that, isn't it? Like, but then you really start thinking about it. The Mariners were awful for a long time. And then they had won the they set the record for wins and got bounced in the first round. 
on arguably one of the most talented teams to ever play. When you have A-Rod, you have Griffey, and you have Randy Johnson. Like, you would think that team would – should have. Should have. Um, the Pittsburgh Pirates, 1979. How long until they make it back? Who's going to make it back first? The Pirates, the Brewers, the Reds, or the A's? You're not going to put the O's in there. Because I know what you're going to say. Pirates, Brewers, Reds, or A's? Pirates. You think? Over the yeah. Brewers, who were a playoff team and division winner this year. I do. I think this Brewers team is like, at that point, they, they are just a playoff team. And I think the Pirates have rebuilt and they have a lot of young stars that they can build around to uh, to reach that next step to where the Brewers window is almost closed. Fair enough. All right. Well, that's going to bring you. Up. You had the you had the red the reds in there, too. Yeah. Ah, it's going to be the Reds or the the A's. I'm going to I'm going to take a cop out pass here. It's it's going to be one of those two teams or the Reds or the Pirates. It's going to be one of those two you, teams. You did not just say the A's. No, no. The the newest team to migrate to Las Vegas and change their name to the Aces because I think that's going to happen. But that will bring an end to this World Series preview for us here. What you can expect from us going forward you're going to get a hockey preview or a hockey at the one month poll right now. We're going to record that here next. And then you're also going to get our weekly football show. You're going to get that next Wednesday. Uh, we're going to work in some wrestling stuff too. We haven't done that in a while. We're going to get some wrestling content on here as well. Not sure when, not sure where, but that's what you can get from us going forward. Dan, you got anything else? Ed has a one-on-one interview sometime in the near future as well with a videographer in the wrestling community. Yes. Uh, More news on that later. But, ladies and gentlemen, as always, we'd like to thank you all for listening. And just remember, if your team is not doing so hot, it can always be the players be named later who can make it better. See ya!